Welcome to season six of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your marriage and home. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm a military spouse, clinician, and advocate. And I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast. This season, we're talking about what it means to be strong in body, mind, and spirit. And I'm giving you the challenge of rising above your circumstances to become the best version of you. So grab a cup of coffee or head out for that run. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. Um, If you are listening to this as it's coming out, I have just finished um, the Afghanistan series considering everything that's been happening with our military and veteran families. And because Life Giver really um, is aimed at breathing life into service families as a whole, you guys know that I have a heart for first responder families as well all of the riots and everything that was happening. You know, a lot of our first responder families were definitely getting a lot of attention that they've been needing to have for a long time. And then kind of like I've had to shift and kind of swing the pendulum over to the military families to deal with what was going in Afghanistan. And um, I felt like it would be a really great idea to balance things out by doing a mini series um, on first responders and what's going on in their world. Um, Because I know we have a lot listening that are first responders. And, And some of you have reached out to me and asked, how do you best support the military families that are out there? And it's been awesome to see so many, especially of the, of the first responder spouses that, um, that I've met who've been so gracious to the military families and saying all the right things and just loving on our military families because of their opportunity to meet them and get to know them. And so I actually have one of my, I can't say one of my favorite because they're all my favorite, but it is one of my favorite um, first responder spouses, Sarah Foster, with me today. Um, you guys met her. If you've been listening to the podcast, you got to know Sarah. Um, she was previously, have you been on twice or once? Twice? Twice. I've been on the round table. Three times. If you count a Sunday special, that's right. That's right. That's right. We did a, we did a Sunday special that was more faith-based. You did the round table where it was me, the active duty, and we had a veteran and then you, you came on as the first responder spouse. And so I'm so thrilled to bring Sarah back, um, to be fully transparent. She's been on my heart for a long time. Um, I did the strength finder with her and her husband, Kenny, and, um, I know that she, um, has the strength, the talent of communication, no pressure, Sarah. Um, but I know she's an amazing communicator and she's a different communicator than I am, which is one of the reasons why I really wanted to give her a new, um, and fresh opportunity to communicate something different. So I'm going to stop talking, Sarah, welcome back to the life giver podcast. I'm so happy to see you again, my friend. I'm so happy to be here again. Yeah. So we are going to dive in because, I mean, you have shared before from the faith-based perspective of like, where is God in the dark places and kind of going through some moments um, in your own life of, of even what it's been like for you as a first responder spouse going through some very tough situations. I don't think that you have shared with the community what your experience was for the past um, year or so, given all of the turmoil that's happened in the first responder community, I'm I'm not necessarily sharing asking you to share all of your opinions on that because I know that can be widely controversial. Um, but I do know that your husband is in SWAT and has had his own experiences of that, and it's been difficult. And so, would you want to just kind of share from a high level perspective what the last year and a half has um, looked like for you guys as a couple and as a family? 
Sure. Um, yeah, just from an overview. I mean, the thing is, like, none of this is an isolated incident either. It's like all wrapped in COVID mess. So it's like, I feel like there have been times that I've described it as like, my ears just won't stop ringing. It's like the bomb went off and like just won't stop ringing, you know, because it's always on to the next thing, on to the next thing. I think is how all of us feel in almost every community. Like now this is happening and that's happening. So um, certainly over the last year, there um was quite a bit of just feeling really isolated and just, which I think we've all been feeling anyways, you know? So it just is kind of compounded on, I think, COVID feelings wrapped with, you know, more, more isolation, more polarization, more, you know, just kind of, so I feel like there's just been an emphasis, at least in my family of um, just really, we've always kind of made it our mission to have this place be a place of peace and how we do that in the midst of conflict, because it is a highly charged um, environment. And my husband being the one who goes to work is feeling his own pressures in that. I being the one who will be indirectly or directly affected by all the things that may happen at work. You know, I have my own thing. And so how do we not come at each other, but link together and take turns? Um, I, I remember a specific kind of incident where he was just kind of telling me he'd had a horrible day and was telling me a whole bunch of stuff. And I just went and just threw up all my fears and all my anxieties with that scenario that he was giving me. And I saw the look on his face. And I remember thinking like, that probably wasn't the time for me to say that. It's not that he was giving me a look like, how could you say that? But I felt like what I did was just heap a bunch of more stuff on him. Like he was already carrying all this weight. And so um, just really finding community and finding um, just safe people, for lack of a better word, that you can, that I could, you take maybe some of those fears and anxiety to and not take them to him. Not that we don't have those conversations, but sometimes it's like we both kind of need our own outlets because his stuff stresses me out. My stuff is stressing him out all in regards to everything that's happening. So that's kind of been, I feel like we've just really, I've been so thankful for really, it feels like the last few years of finding you and doing strengths and all these things were like tools and training that was like building me to this place where I know that this is about linking arms together and we can walk through this together rather than at each other in our own anxieties. Oh, so well said. And you know, when you and I first met, um, I had the opportunity to lead you guys through strengths. Um, and I remember like some of the fun and funny conversations, um, between the three of us with your husband as well. And you, you seeing him through new eyes, you seeing yourself through new eyes and, and understanding your empathy and understanding that communication and the needs that come with that. And then I got to go on a retreat with you and really get to, um, experience watching you kind of wake up. I, this, this is the way I would describe it. You can describe it differently if you'd like, but kind of waking up to this military community thing too. And that the similarities, um, that you saw, but also, I mean, dare I say it if I'm putting words in your mouth, but like the sadness that I think came over you as well, when you realize that the first responder community, especially the spouses don't have the same level of support that the military do. And I saw you kind of go home with like such a wonderful feeling of connection, but also this sadness of like, we don't have this. And, how, and what am I going home to? Is that putting words in your mouth? No. And, and yeah, it, I mean, kind of even pairing with what I just said is, you know, one of the key points of success this year has been finding those people. And it's not always a first responder spouse. I have a few really good military spouse friends now because of ESR, because of those things. And, and I've thought often about 
what, and we've talked, I think, even on your podcast, why does it work? Why, how do the two groups mesh? And it's not that we're living the same scenarios. It's that there's just, if I could label it, it's like, there's just an undercurrent of understanding. So we just had um, a couple go through, it was their four-year anniversary of an end of watch of one of the police officers they were very good friends with. And I watched in this group of women with military and first responder spouses as that first responder spouse was sharing just the things they do to keep his memory alive. Um, I saw the empathy and I saw the connection in the military spouses because they... um, they might not have walked that scenario, but they know they, they're not going to give you this line. I can't imagine because mm-hmm. they can imagine because they've had to imagine in a different way. And in, they understand like that whole concept of that, you know, your spouse may leave, may die, you know? And so, um, that's not always something that you can get from the community. So even though they, it may be a critical incident in different avenues, um, just that undercurrent, they actually understand like, you know, what it's like to like to live a life with that kind of in the back of your mind, um, you know, all, not all the time, but much more than I think than maybe a, your average civilian thinks about like, is my spouse going to be here tomorrow or however that may be. So, um, seeing, I remember my biggest impression, I feel like that first night when we were at ESR and the military and the first responder spouses were divided into their own groups is I felt like the military spouses were so proud. They were like, we have grit. And I feel like the first responder spouses were like, we hate all of this. Like, like, I just like, <laughs> this sucks. Like, and I feel like if I would be putting words into that community's mouth, it kind of looked like from the outside, like someone told them that someone told them like, Hey, this is going to make you tough. Like, you know, like buckle up, like you're not going to know anybody and it's going to be there. That's going to suck, but it's also going to make something great in you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, whereas we were kind of, or how it's always felt, at least in my community, my area and the people that I know, even that are first responder spouses is there's a disconnect there that there's no, there's nobody saying, Hey, like, this is going to give you great. Like, Hey, this is hard for the course. This is what the lifestyle is. And it's going to be hard, but there's also going to be great things. And you specifically can rise to the occasion and it's going to be something wonderful. You know, I just feel like there was, there's really just not a lot there. So it was kind of a sadness. And I felt like I did kind of come back going like, like kind of looking around like, all right, like, oh, where are my people or how do we do this? And, you know, also feeling too, like, just from a kind of a stereotypical standpoint of, you know, being on the outside with my husband going to work, like it's, I feel like the, the, the female side of things tends to be the more relational side of things tends to be, we need to get together more. And so there's really nothing coming from the top. That's like, Hey, you should make sure your families are together. There's no, there is something good about getting your families together for cookouts, making sure your wives meet and know each other, you know, so that, I mean, cause it's just, we're kind of all out here doing it on our own. I feel like there isn't the day he signed up was not the day I signed up, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, which is different, which is different for us, right? Because we just are moved to a whole new place, you know, and sometimes put in a community where everybody's kind of in it together. Right. And so it's kind of walking into a bubble almost, you know, or into a whole community. If, if you're especially moving on an installation where everybody is, um, you know, so I've been thinking this week, you know, I did a video on all the Afghanistan stuff, especially when the news first broke. And I had one of the first responder spouses that were that commented on the, the video when it was live and was saying, what can we do? What can the first responder community do to support um, those military and what they're going through? And 
Um, it was such an interesting question because it was um, an opportunity where I think things were kind of um, not 100% flipped, right? But I think for so long, the military community has taken for granted the overall level of support and patriotism and thank you for your service and like all of that attention, um, you know, we were getting hit with all the news saying it's a failure and, you know, like, why were we there even? And like all of these emotions and feelings all over the place. And some of it was like, I mean, it was almost like defund Afghanistan. Like it was like, you know, and so all of this energy was suddenly coming at the military families. And, and so when the first responder spouse asked that it occurred to me and I said, you know, you know what this feels like to a greater degree than we're experiencing, but that, um, that discouragement, that disappointment of seeing your country and seeing your community, um, not fully understand what you're doing and yet what it was, it's costing you. And, um, and to see so many people have opinions and some of them being negative and, um, and being the face, the face of the decisions that are made by other people higher up. Right. And so, you know, while the politics and the government might make the decision on military leaving or going back and doing whatever we're, you know, the military are the ones that are out there actually doing the thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and seeing face to face and dealing with those reactions, both from the Afghanistan people, but also from our country as well. And so it was interesting to see how that would flip and how you now have this great, amazing ability to speak life into a culture that um, we would have not really imagined them crossing as much as as they are. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah. And I think again, it it, it that it sounds just like what I said, which is just like an undercurrent. Like it's not so much about well, who's feeling it more, or who's felt it this way or that way. It's that we uh, we feel that, like we understand that. We understand what it looks like to look at a situation and know what it costs you and your family and hear a lot of opinion, like, you know, and a lot of pushback and just a lot, it just feels isolating. I don't know how else to say it. Like, cause you're, it's and it's, it's, it just touches a tender spot where it's difficult to put to words the level of sacrifice that has been made to then have it all be slandered or, you know, just kind of painted in this certain way. And you find yourself when it, some of us, I guess, find ourselves and be like, but it's not like that. Like, you know, but who do you say that to? You know what I mean? And, and so you just feel kind of like you're, yeah, just, I feel like you just got to get pulled back into your own little bubble. And so I feel like it's nice to at least have another community of people saying, Hey, we don't get this. We, we haven't gone through this, but we get that concept and we 100%, you know, support you and want to do anything we can for you to make you not feel all those things. You know, we don't understand what price you paid, but we understand that you paid a price and we understand that that's not being necessarily valued at this time. So since we have so many people that maybe are listening, coming right off of that Afghanistan series, what would you say? What would you say to those, um, those spouses, those veterans, the service members that are kind of, you know, feeling that for the first time that are really confused and are really struggling with all of the opinions and struggling with all of the, um, just news and just their world is like all over media and you know what that's like. And so Mm -hmm. what would you say to encourage those, um, who are getting a taste of what you've experienced, especially in the last year and a half? I don't know. It's hard to, 
I mean, I can tell you the things that I do, which is it's tempting, you know, to want to be in it all the time, but to some degree, you've got to turn it off. Like, and you've got to let it stop coloring your reality of what you know to be true, you know, because I think that's where sometimes at least that's how it felt at times for us of like, that's not accurate. Like, that's not true. And what's being said is wildly accusing, but yet that's not necessarily what really what it's like. And so to kind of get out of that narrative for a while and be around people who understand, I think has been really, I don't know. I feel like that's all you can give is just kind of your understanding because um, you're not going to make the world understand. I think you got to come back to why you do what you do. And, you know, for us in our community, we've always said this, it's certainly never about the money. Um, and it's, you know, you do it because it's the right thing to do. Like you, you do it. Why? Like, yes, of course you appreciate the recognition or people recognizing the sacrifices that you made, but even if they don't, you know, you, your family knows, you know, and, um, that's what really service, I guess, really is, right? It's usually thankless. You know, I think it's great when it can be very thankful, but, you know, at times I feel like we just got to come back, I guess, maybe to the core of why you do what you do, which can be hard when the voices are loud because that's what made us kind of go, why are we doing this? Like, you know, so I understand even questioning that, you know. But how powerful is that though for a couple to um to reevaluate that, right? I think that your your meaning to what you do and what it asks of you evolves, you know, yeah. seasonally. I think it can evolve, you know, and I think what initially brought you in can change and then you can develop new meaning. And so it's good as a couple to even process that again, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of forces you to, cause you're like, well, let's look at this at a different angle now. And you know, why yeah. don't we do what we do? No, I love it. I love it. Okay. So, um, I am so excited to announce that I'm going to be giving Sarah the opportunity to do a mini series on the life giver podcast. Um, and I don't want you to hear this as if it's specifically only for first responder families to listen to, um, because this whole podcast has been bridging that divide and and doing exactly what Sarah described as far as being able to to talk and have honest conversation about some of these constructs that affect all of our lives. And so when I was talking with Sarah about her really having this, um, this beautiful perspective as a first responder spouse in a way that I can't, um, I really just wanted to give her the opportunity and, and to leverage that, um, to give her the opportunity to give voice to that and do it authentically and do it in a very real way and do it in a way that she's talented to do it in. And so, um, I'm going to, that gives me a little bit of a break and gives you continued content to listen to, to bridge those, um, gaps. And I think there's, I know there is so much that Sarah has that will encourage you, that will inspire you. Um, and whether she knows that or not, I know that about her, um, that, that she has so much to offer. And this has been a long time coming. And so Sarah, I would love for you to just kind of unpack, like, where did this passion start from as far as like your desire to encourage people? And, um, and, and then maybe we'll get into like some of the topics that you feel like um, are important to talk about that maybe aren't talked about enough. So maybe start off with like your, your desire to give back to the community and how that started. Yeah, I think, um, again, kind of going back, I think I've hinted at it throughout various podcasts, but it really did kind of start back, I would say probably 2016, 2017, when, you know, here I had almost been um, a law enforcement spouse for almost 10 years at that time. And was 
like hadn't even realized that I was one. I was actually just bucking the system and kind of doing my own thing. And that was not working anymore as um, life became more demanding. And my husband felt more and more called to a more high demanding job that was going to 24 seven call out and just wrecking what any bitty little bit of control that I actually thought I had about over anything like our schedule or our days off. And um, it really just was kind of though the, when I look back, I was always feeling like I was on the outside. And so that was really just the straw that kind of broke it all um, and led me to this place of this isn't working well and I need to figure out how to make this work. And I remember like Googling, like how to be a law enforcement officer, spouse or first responder spouse. And I mean, this was, again, a lot has kind of changed. There is more stuff out now than there was, but it, there was nothing. I mean, it was like zip. All I had found was the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation, which had just a little blip about how it did military and first responder. That's the first time I saw the two linked. And it's the first time I saw like what I could find was a resource back then. But I just remember thinking like, I can't, certainly can't be the only one that's struggling. And it was all about the realization that here I was with, I had great friends and I had been given, you know, great maybe advice on how to communicate better or certain things that were going to help my marriage. But there was like this missing piece that I was ignoring um, really because I didn't, I don't think I knew that it belonged there, but like it greatly affects my marriage <laughs> and no one knows how to talk about it. No one knows how to address those issues that I'm seeing um, in my marriage and how to work that out. And so um, that's just where I felt kind of just kind of broken open. And usually when those things happen to me, then I'm like, how can I help someone else not feel this way? How can I help someone else like get ahead? I think to, so, you know, one of the things on my heart is like, how do we help new people coming into this? Because I know that some departments do things well. So I don't want to paint like this picture that there's just no resources out there for any of us, but certainly like I don't think I was ever invited to anything ever, like not me personally, but I don't think there was something for like, Hey, have your spouses come and sit in. We're going to talk about hypervigilance. We're going to talk about maybe some changes that you're going to see in your officer, you know, fresh out of the Academy. Um, and I, that is probably one of the biggest things on my heart is I wish to give people a good start. <laughs> so you don't have to tear down as much and rebuild. You know, I look back on those early years and I'm like, dang it. Like I could have been so much more helpful and supportive, but I had no clue that I even really needed to be like that. It was going to be something that was going to impact him, going to impact our lives. And we were going to need to use. So that's just where I guess I just want that for other people. It just is how I feel like I just want them to start better than me, or I want to help them, you know, let's tear down some things and let's, you know, rebuild. I just, when I go through things like that, then I think, how, how can I help someone else not maybe go through this as much or be stronger or get a better start than I did? Well, I, I love the fact that you have a passion for starting people off well, because so much of what I've covered in the podcast are these, are these bigger concepts that you may come across in your, in your um, career and your spouse's career along the way. Um, and sometimes not doing those deep dives into some practical things of like, you know, how do you start off well and, and what's normal and what's not normal or um, how does it feel as a spouse or how do you, um, how do you handle that situation that you described with your husband differently where, you know, because as you were talking, you know, yes, there is a lot of marriage advice out there, but I mean, I, and I, I think that in any marriage, we should be mindful of when we brain dump on our spouse. Like, I think that that's like one of those communication things that every marriage needs to be thoughtful of, 
But you're right that in the service community, we aren't dealing with um, your spouse coming home from a work day, having um, dealt with death or destruction or abuse or um, or painful politics or or just whatever it is that our our families or our service members and our officers are going through on a daily basis or during a deployment. Right. And so there's that different dynamic of how do I take care of me and how do I connect in my relationship and how do I share what I need to share in my relationship and not just repress everything and hold it back as if it's never my turn. Cause that can't be the answer either. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, timing has, has an important role here, but I think that's an important dynamic that's happening in these, these marriages that aren't necessarily always happening in a civilian marriage where it's like, you had a bad day. So would you like to go first? Well, this is a whole different kind of bad day. Right. And that bad day can sometimes go on for two days, three days, three weeks, or you could have a deployment that this trauma is affecting you for months. Like at what point do you finally talk about yourself? Right. So it's a huge, huge, important question. And so helping people know how to start off well is so, so important. Um, So I know you have more more ideas than that. So give me give me some of the other things that I know that you're thinking about. Um, yeah, so starting off well, and um, I would have to kind of look at my notes, but overall, I just feel like to kind of paint a picture too of who I was even all those years ago when I first met you and you had your podcast. And, you know, again, and I usually um, I feel like I'm going to go like this, and it's because I'm usually mowing when I listen to podcasts. So <laughs> mowing's like, I, I just love it because nobody can bother me when I'm mowing. No one's going to come like two acres out and try to find you, hopefully, unless someone's really hurt. So anyway, I would just listen. And even if it wasn't necessarily being fully directed to like a first responder application, it was like, I was just gleaning, like whatever little bit I could get like together. Like, I think even hypervigilance, like I I think I first heard that term here, or just this concept of this world where we're recognizing certain maybe traits or certain aspects of the, of character that is needed in these jobs. And so then how does that translate well into the family? And you, like you said, what's normal and what's not, um, what's going to, because at that point I was also in early in my marriage, seeing every change as a threat and negative. And that wasn't true, but it was, it, that's how it felt because it was very, um, threatening to me. It just was like, I just kind of felt like you're not the person what's happening to you. Like, why are you, you know, why is your whole world shifting, you know? And then am I going to be left behind? Like, am I just someone that doesn't get it now? Like, what does that feel like, you know, to feel like they are gone such a huge chunk of time Mm -hmm. experiencing things that we get to secondhand experience from what they share, but we're not there. We're not there with the smells and the sights, you know, we're only hearing even what they choose to tell us, whether they're even, specifically choosing to leave things out or they're just not recalling at all, you know, so you're not, you're not there. And so what does that look like? That was extremely threatening to me as well, because I had a a picture of marriage and I wanted us to be together, like, and united and changing together and growing together. And all this stuff just felt like it was just going to come between us. And I, I didn't see how, and he, and, and Kenny would try to tell me like, no, you're not on the outside. And I'm like, ah, but it feels like I'm on the outside. I don't, I feel like I don't get it. Um, so yeah. I and then like they that. say things like, well, I don't want you to get it. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I don't want you to get yeah. it. And yet you're like trying to feel connected to your spouse. Yeah. So what's my role in that? 
You know what I mean? Like what, what is my role as a first responder spouse? I can, we can talk all day about my role as a wife or, you know, as just a spouse in general, like who should I be and how should I speak or, you know, whatever, but what's my role in that? Am I supposed to get it? Am I not supposed to get it? You know, just that, that whole dynamic of how, how am I supportive? What does supportive look like? Um, for me, it, I don't know. I don't know if this plays to like the empathy part, but I feel like if I, if you, if you help me understand, then I can be more understanding, which I mean, makes sense, but it's like, I didn't understand. So I wasn't understanding at all. Like as much as empathetic, I can be very empathetic, but when I don't understand what's in front of me, then it's very difficult for me to under, I feel like I just keep saying understand. No, it's a very important point because um, there's so much of this experience in marriage that we're not going to fully understand. We almost have to be there to fully understand. Right. And right. so we're never going to fully understand. And yet, how do I exist and have this relationship without all of that information and still leverage empathy? Um, that's a whole other issue, right? Like, yeah. um, how do I support you? How do I encourage you? How do I hold you accountable in our relationship? Um, even though I don't fully understand and, and I, I may not ever fully understand, you know, as opposed to other times where it's like, how do I ask for greater understanding and what areas like, can I ask good questions? And there is room for me to understand. It's, it's a very complicated, um, thing to go through in your relationship and try to navigate. And so those new spouses, especially that are trying to figure it out and they're trying to understand what they can and give grace on things that they can't. You, let's introduce your family just a little bit. You homeschool your kids. You've made a decision to do that. Um, your spouse, we said, is in SWAT um, and you uh, you have a homestead. When you mentioned two acres, you have... I don't know if you can hear the rooster. I've got the kids, the pets, everybody's gone. And then the rooster has camped out outside of my window and is like cock-a-doodle doing like throughout the whole thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I don't know if it, it caught it or not. But. You never know what you're going to get during this mini series, which I yeah. think is refreshing. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> In fact, we might even have Sarah like um, do the podcast from outside on her back porch. Um, with all the animals. <laughs> and I know she has a giant German shepherd who, you know, makes an appearance on occasion. So I think, you know, you're, you're going to liven up this whole show. I have no doubt, Sarah, for sure. But I, I love it because it is, um, you know, I think I love it for so many reasons, Sarah. One, I think I'm vicariously as a, as a military spouse, I'm living vicariously through you. Like when I see you having a homestead and investing and planting things and watching them grow and you have chickens, like, I can't even think about like having something that's going to last longer than a year because I may have to leave it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's hard enough to, I mean, I remember when I had built an adolescent girls program and I had to hand it off after a year and a half there locally, I felt like I was ripping my heart out of my chest. And so that's, I think the other reason why I wanted you to do this series, because, um, there is an, there's an element of, I don't think we, as military families, I don't think it's something that I want to be afraid to think about. And I also don't want other people to avoid because it's not something that we can have. I think that there's a way to live vicariously through that and enjoy it and, and hear someone else's joy that you as a civilian have a different way of life that honestly um, correlates very much to our National Guard and our reserves. Um who do get to have that stability. And they're all the time saying, can you do more podcast episodes on our life, right? Mm -hmm. Where you are plugged into the community and yet you still feel misunderstood. Um, you know, we, we don't have to necessarily go down this rabbit hole because I didn't actually ask you if you were open to doing it. 
But I think that there's also been the difficulty of finding even a church community um, and trying to find, you know, a community in your community that fully understands what your experience is like. And so I think that across the board, regardless of whether or not you're active or National Guard or reserves or law enforcement or fire or whatever, um, there is this isolation of trying to find those groups where you fit in and feel understood. And there's other times where we have to really adult through those relationships and figure out how to how to find connections outside of the service lifestyle that you can still connect with and still build community with. Um, I don't know if you want to respond to any of that. Um, I didn't necessarily prepare you for that question, um, but you have a life that I don't have. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And I can see, um, it's funny that you even brought that up because I was just thinking today, um, we're reading this book. Um, it's actually the boys math curriculum and the little kids in Kansas. And I still keep thinking you're in Kansas, but you're in Texas now, but I think of you every time of Kansas. And I just think about how I thought about how many moves you've made since I've known you, which hasn't been that long. Cause you just had come right out of Virginia when we first you had just moved to South Carolina. And so I just thought, what is that? What does it feel like? Does it ever, do you ever feel home? Like, what does it feel like to just be, whereas like we've been, you know, I think COVID kind of shook up everybody and we're like, we should move to Montana. Like, you know, like you just start getting like, maybe we should just pack bags and, you know, head for the hills. I don't know. And so, but like to think about that, like Montana is really far away from me. And I think I am more of a shaker and a mover. So I, I have always seen that part of your lifestyle as almost glamorous. Like, yes, like change, keep it coming. Like, cause I am the one always trying to change everything. And when stuff gets too stagnant, I don't do as well. Um, but I was just thinking though, at the end of the day, practically, what would that feel like if every year I was in a different state when I'm trying to figure out like, gosh, how could I ever move to Montana? That's like, I don't even know how many states across, like, what would, how would I logistically even get all my stuff there, you know, or how much money would that cost? And, you know, so anyway, it's interesting to hear and think about, um, just a whole nother aspect, but yeah, it is also though, um, being rooted is, you know, there comes with all kinds of stuff with that too, of like, you know, now you can't shake the people that knew you when you were 10, like, you know, and you're not necessarily the same person you were, maybe they still are, but you're not, or, um, but yeah, finding your place in community and, and, you know, I agree because it, it you know, as much as emphasis as I put on, you know, let's find more like-minded community as far as service related goes. So you can feel supported and not like off on an Island, which is how I felt for so long. I think it does help to not also be in an echo chamber and have really good relationships outside of that community as well, which I have, but they're very limited and they've come from very different places. I don't know if there is a church or a building or a place I could go, you know, matter of fact, I can think of a lot of incidents you know, even within a church where, you know, things where you think that maybe you might see eye to eye on. And, you know, I remember specifically we were, this was really early on. This is when, um, I was so proud of Kenny. And so I would just tell anybody that that's what he did for a living. And he was like, no, I don't want to tell. And I'm like, why not? Well, you know, we were so desperate for new friends when we first got married. Um, because you're in this kind of weird, or at least we were, we were young and married. And so it was like, either our, our friends were either still single and kind of doing their thing, or there were people that were just a few years ahead of us, but they had small children, which we were flexible to go to, but that's true. And, you know, anytime you start talking about how you didn't get enough sleep because your dog kept you up to somebody who's actually been kept up with a newborn, I mean, 
how they don't smack you in the face. You know, you just like, you got to find people that get where you're coming from. So, you know, we ended up actually, um, we were just so desperate for friends because we didn't have any. And we had met this new couple in church and they were so, it seemed so friendly. And as soon as Kenny said that the, the guy asked what he did for a living and he said, I work for the sheriff's department and he literally all but turned his back to us, like the rest wow. of the service, you know, now that's not the norm. And we haven't always had that experience in a church, but just to say like here, I thought, okay, maybe this is where we're supposed to feel maybe welcome or we can find new friends. And it's like, oh, no, you never know really who your friends are, <laughs> you know, or who you're sitting with at a wedding or, or how that conversation is going to go, where then all of a sudden all these labels get instantly dumped on you that you must be this, 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 and this because of what you do, you know? So, um, so yeah, you have to live here. You have to live in a neighborhood. What does that look like when everyone knows that your cop car sits in front of your house all the time and the world starts wanting to defund you? Like, what does that look like in a neighborhood when people follow you home and bang on your door and you, you know, and which, you know, happened to us. So it's like, there are times where packing up and moving seems like, oh yes, let's run away. Like, you know, let's never stay enough so that we don't have to feel the friction of, I guess, community really of like a being in just a community with all kinds of differences and all those things. Um, and you're not moving. There's no, you know, you can't change jobs. You know, I think that there's definitely character development on both sides, depending on what you're struggling through. Right. Like I remember in the very beginning, I used to think like, Oh, well, the next time we move, like I could like cut my hair and dye it black and be a completely different person. You know, <laughs> of course, no, I'm not going to do that. I never did. But there was that initial feeling of like, how, how much is this starting all over? And I think there is kind of some element of getting another chance to get those first impressions, right. Or, or do whatever. And there is some complexity there, but I don't think that we, especially when you're moving as frequently as we are, um, or if you are moving really frequently, you don't get many opportunities to push through the tough stuff in relationships other than what's under your roof or your external family members. And so I think that there is um, a lack of, of suffering in that regard that you kind of have to push through that people know where you live. You have to push through liking your neighbors or not liking your neighbors. Right. And so, you know, and when you bring up like the, and this is not necessarily always a faith-based podcast, um, but I think that when we talk about what does it mean to heal in lots of different ways, there's relational healing, there's emotional healing um, from trauma and things that we've seen. And I think that there's also levels of spiritual healing, whether you are the Christian faith or another faith. And so when we talk about spirituality and what does it mean to be in a community of like-minded people that share your faith system and what, what healing does that bring both being in that community or being part of that faith system is really important. And so when you are part of a, of a job, especially if you have those kinds kinds of jobs where you're having to do really difficult things that don't make sense in the civilian culture, right? Like you're not necessarily, if you're carrying a weapon and if you're having to make difficult choices, um, that doesn't translate well into certain small groups when people are like, what do you do? You know? Cause I mean, suddenly like somebody who is, um, working at the local grocery store, somebody who is, um, a doctor even, or it doesn't matter. Like there are pros and cons to every job. And maybe that's a calling for us to be more curious of each other. But the truth of what I guess I'm trying to say is that a lot of our serving families do struggle with walking into a community in a spiritual community and feeling like they can really unpack who they are and the impact of the service lifestyle that it's the impact that's had 
on their life and on their marriage and have people fully understand it um, and, and know how to embrace it and welcome it. That's really tough. And we have a lot of service members. I know probably definitely law enforcement as well, who don't even feel like they can walk into the doors of a church because of what they've been asked to do and the impact that that can have on their marriage and their parenting and the, the dynamics in those relationships in the home is a lot. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. I know one of the things I was thinking about when you were saying it is I remember specifically again, in that kind of um, I talk about, I can't remember which podcast it was, but I did talk about how there was a point where I'm like, I know that he is where he's supposed to be. We like, we prayed about this, or this is where we're supposed to be. There's really not a question here that he shouldn't be doing it. Honestly, if he were to step down from it, it really was like a, who's going to win? Whose life vision's going to win? Like he going to start working from home and crank out a bunch of kids. Like I want, or are you going to stay in, in, in your job? And, and that's kind of what it started to feel like, but I knew that he was called there. And so that wasn't an option because we're just going to trade who's unhappy is like how it felt at the time. And so I remember being like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. Well, I'm going to look to the church or the, you know, how to have great boundaries in marriage or look, they always did marriage conferences. And one thing that was incredibly wounding to me was you would get these testimonies. You get these people standing up there saying, well, we never spend any time with the opposite sex, like at all. We don't ride in cars with them. We don't talk behind closed doors with them. And you're like, okay, well, that's not applicable to me at all. And so what I just heard was, my husband's going to have an affair, like, you know, in the sense of I'm set up for failure because I can't do it the way that this model is saying is the Christian way to do it. Because or, he, he might be partnered with a female law enforcement officer. And he was, he was an FTO at the time. You're talking about spending 14, 16 hours a day with someone in a car of the opposite sex, sometimes hand to hand, you know, stuff. If you're showing them how to, I don't know, make an arrest or, you know, even if it's a defense mechanism or whatever, I don't really get the ins and out of it, but still very close. You're close and you're interacting with the opposite sex and to show up to work and say, excuse me, I can't work with the opposite sex because I'm trying to keep my marriage healthy. And this is the only way it can be kept healthy, which that's not true. Like, you know, spoiler alert, it's not true. But at the time when I had no place or no no real, like that was my only source was what the church was going to tell me. Um, it seemed very sterile and clean, like, and too bubble-ish, honestly, like it's not as, I think that's where sometimes we do struggle to fit into maybe a more institutionalized line of thinking because we've straddled this line of good and evil. We have, we see stuff that, or we know stuff exists that maybe isn't acknowledged and, you know, life is messy. It's not a, don't ride in cars with women. Like it's not a antidote, if that makes sense, you know? So how do you, but how do you do that? Well, because we, we do know that, um, spending great amounts of time with the opposite sex, um, if you're talking about the wrong things can lead to wrong places, you know, especially if you are having trouble in your marriage. Um, so there's something to be said for being wise and, and boundaring things where you can, but these like kind of absolutes, which really only work in a system that is, in this case, speaking of, you know, Christian, like, well, we can all Christian wise make the rule that we're never going to, you know, but you're a Christian organization. That's why you can make that rule. You're not in the world. You're like, you're not, mess, you know, interacting with people who don't follow that same code of standard, you know? No. And I, I have a really, another tough question to ask you, but I think, um, what if there is someone listening 
who is who's hearing about the fact that you are um, going to be doing this mini series on on first responders or um, that kind of lifestyle and kind of again, this is kind of just balancing out the podcast a little bit, considering how heavy I've put out some military stuff as of late. Um, so I'm really, really encouraging all of you who are military and veteran to listen, because I mean, I think they're like, she got so much from the military podcast. I think there's going to be a lot that you're going to get from her as well. Um, what would you say to those that might feel a little bit of hesitancy because of everything that came out in the last year and a half of, of maybe, I don't even know if they would know what they're concerned about, but maybe they're a little hesitant, a little afraid to listen to what you might be putting out as if it's um, going to be something that is pro law, you know, pro first responder, or if it's going to be about racial division or like, you know, are we entering into those kind of conversations? And if we are like, how do you feel about what you want to lead out on the messaging of things? So just in case there's somebody that's like, I don't know how I feel it because they haven't had that experience of, of being around first responder families and, and seeing how those are, are bridged. What would you say to those that are like, Ooh, what am I about to listen to? It's a tough question. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, offhand, I feel like my heart or my mission is more like, let me, I feel like it's exposing the conversation in the sense of, though it may be directed to first responders, you know, again, we're not necessarily sitting around talking about racial relations. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like, why can't my husband sit in a public place anymore? How do we connect on a date night? Like a lot of things that I feel like the military community has grappled with in the sense of how do we adjust? How do we reintegrate? Um, we don't have the language on a lot of that. So we're still trying to figure all that stuff out. You know, I was just talking to a spouse, um, the other day and she's actually, she's done both. Her husband was first, uh, I think he, I believe he was a Marine and did a deployment. Um, and then now they have been in law enforcement and they've been through a critical incident. And, you know, one of her things was how do we, what do we say to our kids? Like, how do we talk to our kids about, even what, um, our dads, what their dads do, or how much risk do you let them know? Like, you know, and and at what age, what's appropriate, you know, and how do you, these are things that we're, we're all wrestling with. So I feel like it's more of a window inside to the conversations, not so much an agenda or a certain, I feel this way. And so I'm going to pump this out, but more of listen to our conversations of how we grapple and how we figure out how to do this life well, because at the end of the day, of course, it's going to probably sound pro law enforcement. I'm in law enforcement. I don't know how to not sound pro in the sense of we're doing this job. We haven't quit. We haven't walked away. So how do we do it well? And mm-hmm. how do we, um, cause gosh, and I feel like this is true for a lot of things, but it can consume you. It can consume your family. It can consume your life and it can go really negative. But I also think too, if it's nurtured, well, it can be a wonderful, um, I guess without a blessing, it can just be a wonderful thing to add to your life, a gift that you, that, you know, I think about, especially with like September 11th coming up. And I think about what it's like to watch someone go out the door and think about, was that the last time? And I don't always think about those things, but you know, just having a job that you know, that like, well, people kind of hate you and people could shoot you. Like, you know, there's just a reality of that. And so what do you, what do you tell your kids or how do you live? Well, you know what? That's a gift because I can tell you that most times, no matter how mad I am, even if we've got to hash it out on the phone, on the way in, we try to fix it. And cause we don't feel like we're promised tomorrow. And everyone kind of knows that to be true, but this job forces it to be in our face all the time. 
So there's, that's a, I see that as a tremendous gift because every, I feel like so many people are striving to live in the now. This forces me in the now, um, forces me to evaluate what's important, what's not. Why are we really fighting about the fact that I don't put lids on things? Like, you know what I mean? I don't put lids tightly on things. I don't either. <laughs> I, I can't get them off. That I feel is, and I love to push it as you're not here to open it. So I need it to be the way I want it to be. But, you know, how far do we let this thing grow out of proportion? What's the bigger perspective here? What do we want um, out of our life? And I feel like I don't think I would be that way as much if, he was a farmer, which is what I would want him to be if I could pick. <laughs> um, <a> Sarah, <laughs> so. I am so excited that that you're going to do this. I'm so excited about um, what you're going to put out, and I'm so excited to give you the place to do it. Um, thank you for for lending your talents. Thank you for choosing your marriage and choosing um, to inspire other people and bring purpose and meaning out of the difficulty that is in your life. Um, I'm grateful to have you as a friend and as a partner in this. And so um, I'm so excited about what's come. Um, so we are going to launch into um, Sarah's mini series. And I know you guys are going to enjoy it. I hope you'll share it with other people. I hope you're, you'll share the podcast. I don't do sponsorships in the podcast because honestly, if you haven't heard me say this before, um, as soon as you bring on sponsors, then, then you start worrying about whether the sponsors are happy and whether it's reaching enough people than what you originally are doing the podcast for. So there are no sponsors on the life care podcast, but that means that I have to ask you guys to share it with other people for it to spread. Um, and so I'm so thankful for those of you who have, who found meaning, um, in what we've been putting out. And I'm so excited to bring Sarah on board to, to bring even more meaning and more content um, I think it's the right thing to do because she can speak to things that I cannot. And I'm so grateful and thankful to give her that opportunity to do that. So um, I would love for you guys to um, to comment if you're listening to this on Facebook as it's going out or um, through whatever channel you're listening, reach out and let, let us know, like, what are some of the topics that you want to hear um, that you'd either like for me to cover or for Sarah to cover in the future? Um, and we would love to hear your feedback on it as well. So we're so excited about what's what's to come. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always um, an honor. I love the way that you make me laugh. She has positivity in her top five too, which means she's just like this ray of sunshine on that little farm that she has. And I just love every time that sunshine comes into my life <laughs> in, in the form of Sarah. So um, so excited about what's to come. Thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. Thank you, Corey. I'm so excited. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.